If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. We will read verses 12 through 19 and uh, deal with uh, a little bit of 14 is our focus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. If you would please follow as we read the Holy Word of God. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testify against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. We had hope in Christ in this life only. We are of all men most to be pitied. Father, please give us ears to hear. Father, in a day and an age, and there's so much that comes at us and so much that tries to sway us and so much that appeals to our ears. Father, help us. Help us to rest full weight upon this. Power of the resurrection, the power of your words to change hearts, and the glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us here, Lord. Help us to hear. In Christ's name, amen. I read an article this week, Rocky Mountain News, <clears throat> said 82% of Christians in the United States believe that there are more than one way to get to heaven. I'm thinking that our numbers are smaller than what I thought. I'm, I'm thinking so. And I don't even want to touch the issue on the responsibility of the pulpit. Um, do you know what a bigot is? We, we toss that word around a lot. It is a person who believes that their way is the only way. Okay? And they're not open to any other influences or ideas. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Man, that sounds narrow. Narrow. Some would even say bigoted. Do we understand that? Do you understand that you live in a society and, and I'm not, I, I, I don't, there's too many times that we grab a hold of a whole bunch of stuff and we want to talk about the politicians are doing this or the drug dealers are doing that or this person is doing that. I'm talking about the church. 82% believe that there's more than one way to get to heaven. But the Bible says there's only one way to get to heaven. And you will deal with people on a consistent basis over and over who have their own ideas. 
When I read this text in chapter 15 dealing with the resurrection of Christ, I understand that there was a philosophy, the Greek philosophy, and it's still alive today. It is, it, you may have even said it. But the philosophy that is out there is that the body is evil and the spirit is good. And when we die, the body rots and our spirit goes and be with Jesus. And therefore, that is the quote unquote resurrection. And you say, well, I don't believe that. And I will say this. If you've ever had a loved one tell you, don't worry, I will be with you always when I die. You have bought this philosophy because that is not what the Bible teaches. There is only one spirit that is all-encompassing, knows all things, and it is all placed at one time, and you ain't it. And that's what Paul is getting at here. There is one, there is coming a bodily resurrection. It's going to be great. And you're going to be able to do some really like beam me up Scotty stuff. But you're going to be in one place at one time. Now, it may be in heaven, maybe hanging out in New Jerusalem, maybe hanging out in Ethiopia. You can be moving around, and you can do it extraordinarily fast. But you are in one body. And what was happening in the Corinthian church is that the philosophies of the society were creeping in. And and let's be realistic. Some of you in this room were saved at the magical age of eight. And that, that just seems to, you know, I was saved at eight. And then you get a whole line, I was saved at eight. And then the next age was 11. Okay? Uh, and then some of us poor buggers, <laughs> I had to do it on the metric scale. Okay, mine came at 25, and I don't think it took root until 30. And that's when God said, yes, I was talking to you. Okay, but I share that with you because if you got saved at 8, then you were probably exposed to Christianity, and then you've got to ask yourself a simple question. What was you exposed to? And whose faith are you walking in? I know people today who are trying to walk in my faith. You don't want my faith. Trust me. You need your own. And there's only one place I know you get that. And it ain't from the newspaper. It ain't from the World Wide Web. From the Word of God. What does the Bible say? And then we came up with this beautiful invention of footnotes. Okay? And we read the footnotes. Now, let me tell you something. Some of the footnotes are really good. Some of them ain't. I can tell you this about the Holy Word of God. Footnotes are, footnotes are not divinely inspired. Okay? So you're getting an author's interpretation of what he believes the text says. Now, there are some out there that I would agree with absolutely. But some I'm not going to. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out why somebody would um, market a spirit-filled Bible. I thought if you had the Bible, you had a spirit-filled Bible. I seen a knowing God Bible. Okay, but one of the things you see happening is that we don't have a holy Bible. And that is how our society is pounding us. It is grinding on. Ask average Christian today what worship is. And I'll ask you a simple question. Where did that come from? The society said, this is how you need to do it. Okay. Can anybody tell me who Paul's worship leader was? I can. 
I know him by name. It was him. He brought the word to bear and therefore broke forth in what? Worship. And if I hear another person tell me that music sets the mood, I'm going to sin. You have been warned. Okay? When Paul preached in that upper room and he started early in the morning and went till late at night and the kid fell out the window and died and then he raised him from the dead, please don't fall out the window. Okay? Go ahead and just take a nap. All right? But who was leading music and who set the mood? The Spirit of God set the mood. And that's what I'm going to bring about tonight, right now, because the, the key that I'm looking at right here, and if the question shows up in 12, but he's already given the first 11 verses saying, this is proof of the resurrection, the bodily, literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, the fact that you are a church means that there is a literal bodily resurrection. That's how I started it. And you stand in that. How'd you get saved? But he goes through a number that the scriptures give it to us. And there was eyewitnesses of Cephas. There was 500 of his brethren at one time. Even James, his half-brother, saw him. And I, least of all, saw him. And it was bodily. It was real. And he says, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? And this philosophy is alive and well today because a lot of people believe, well, as the dove came down upon Jesus at his baptism, and then the dove went up at his crucifixion. No. He was human. Absolutely. 100%. But he was God. Absolutely. 100%. He's the only creation that has ever been 200% of something. That's difficult. Try to get 200% in a 100% bag. Okay? It's crowded. But they say if he doesn't rise. But then i got to ask you a simple question. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God did what? What will happen to you? You will be saved. Do you understand what he just said there in a very small phrase? Your salvation is based on one simple truth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he made it in verse 13. We looked at this last week on the theological consequences. He says, listen, if there's no resurrection from the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And I went through and I showed you that Jesus Christ last week was a man. He's a man, 100% man, absolutely a man. Absolutely all God. Now look at verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, and then this is what we will look at, then our preaching is in vain. It is empty. It is worthless. It has nothing to it. Preaching is useless. Why? There's no gospel. If he did not raise from the dead, bodily resurrection from the dead, there is no gospel. Because the gospel is he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose from the grave, a physical, literal resurrection on the third day. 
Listen, if all he did was die and he didn't raise, there's no gospel. All gospel preaching will be useless. It will be jabber. Blah, 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 blah. Now listen, there's a bunch of it out there that is. But gospel preaching, if he has not raised, is absolutely worthless. It doesn't do anything. And you know what? You'd be wasting your time to go hear it. If Christ died forever... What was the apostolic message? There's nothing to say. The man lived and he died as millions have and millions more will. Preaching is lost. The gospel is non-existent. We don't have a message. There's a lot of churches today that don't have a message. But it isn't because of the lack of the gospel. It's lack of study. I was talking to a pastor who says, I just wait for God to speak. And that's why we do music. I said, well, how long have you been waiting? And he said, what does he speak to you? I said, every day. I hear voices. (laughs) Why? I read my Bible. He talks to me every day. But preaching is lost if the gospel is non-existent. And the only thing that the gospel is based on is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The whole validation of what Jesus said, the whole validation of what Jesus did is predicated. It is based on His coming out of the grave. If He didn't come out of the grave, it's a waste. And listen, I watch the church won't stand on that. And I'll be honest with you. Let's be realistic here, okay? I have never seen a body get up from the dead. Ain't never seen it. Haven't. But I have been to his grave. He ain't there. And I see what them people do. They'll worship. He walked here. He sat here. He talked here. This is where Stephen was. And we got an idol for everything. But we don't have his body. And let me tell you something. If we had his body, we would have a big church. A big church. It's a big, huge church. Why? We got his body. I mean, I've seen... eh, We won't go into that. That's silly. If he doesn't rise, then everything else is lost. Do we understand that? Let me ask you a question. If he's only raising the dead, what problem do you really have? If, if he can only raise the dead, and that's it. What is your issue? What are you concerned about? Listen, if he doesn't rise, then everything is lost. If he does rise, then everything is gained. Let me show you something that uh, I think we miss at times. Go to Romans chapter 1. You know, when you read Romans, most people won't get into Romans until about 16 or 17 and they start tearing it apart saying, No, this is good stuff. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. Yahoo! Okay, we miss something here though. Verse 1. I've been set apart for the gospel, Paul says. Verse 2. 
which he promised beforehand through his prophets and holy scriptures. Cool. Concerning his son, it was already told that this was coming. Concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. You know what is cool about that? He says, look, he's human. And let me tell you something, it was authenticated because his earthly father and his mother were both of the line of David. Both of them. I mean, that's one of them you can't miss. But look look what happens after that. So you have the human side of Jesus Christ, but he says who was declared the Son of God with power. What power? Son of God. That makes his deity. The human side, David. God is his father. Deity. And how do we know that he was deity? What does it say? By the resurrection from the dead. Listen, you drop down and want to jump in there and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first. And the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That's great. If Jesus didn't get out of the grave, it is useless. And he said, we know that he was 100% God because he came out of the grave. His humanness is obvious. He's of the line of David. So obvious. Where was he born? The city of David, Bethlehem. Why? Because they had a census and you had to go back to your original place. His deity is based on one instant, one fact. It isn't because he could cast out demons. It isn't because he could raise the dead. It isn't because he could walk on water or feed 5,000 with just a handful of fish. His deity is based on one thing and one thing only. What is it? A bodily resurrection from the grave. And that is what preaching is about. Do you understand that? I don't need to dialogue. People say, well, we need to dialogue. I need to dialogue. I, I, rather, I don't want to be preached at. Let me tell you something. It is the foolishness of preaching that got us saved. And I like God's foolishness. And you know what that foolishness said? Jesus Christ was raised from the dead bodily. He got up. He wasn't injured. He wasn't sick. He wasn't in the cool of the tomb brought back. Because somebody run a spike through the top of your foot, you are not going to walk on the road to Emmaus. You ain't going to do it. I had a dislocated bone one time in the top of my foot playing football and some guy stepped on it. And I've never experienced so much pain in my entire life. I could not even put a sock on. Anything that... I look at my foot, it hurt. And I went to a chiropractor, he tickled me on the bottom of the foot, and then there was excruciating pain, and the bone was popped back, and I was healed. The only time I've ever been to a chiropractor. Listen, if he isn't God then all gospel preaching is empty, it is useless, it is vain. Okay? Well, you know... All right, let me give you another one. Let me show you something here that's really, really cool. One of my favorite books in all of Scripture. The Book of Revealings. 
literally the apocalypse. Revelations chapter 1, verse 18. Now, I'll start at 17. That'll give you the flow of the thought. When I saw him, this is John, I fell at his feet like a dead man. You know, when John had a view of heaven, his response was, uh-oh. Fell as a dead man. Placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Verse 18. And the living one, and I was dead. And behold... I live forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, write these things. And I'm thinking that he got John's undivided attention. What do you think? I have the keys to death and to Hades. He's telling everybody, and if you read on from that point on, what you're going to find is he says, I, because I was alive and then died and I live forevermore now, I now have the right to rule the church. I now have the right to lead the church. I now have the right to call the church to accountability. That's gospel preaching, people. Why? Because he was raised from the dead. He who lives and dies and now lives forevermore has the right. In other words, his right to reign in his own church, his rule in his own church, his promise of life after death is based on what? Promise, what purpose, what basis? I once was alive, I died, and I rose. It is all based on what? His resurrection. I watch people squirm. Why would he say that? Because he has the right to say that. Why? Because God validated who he was. This is where this Lord thing comes in. I, I see people struggle with that. Well, what happens in our lives? And it's, you can bear witness to it. You can look around. Is that you get saved here and you kind of trash your life. And you go along with it. And then all of a sudden now he becomes Lord. Let me tell you something. That is a lie. He's Lord before creation was spoken into existence. You don't make him Lord. God said he is Lord because I will raise him from the dead. And listen, if he is not Lord of your life right now, are you saved? I know. I'm being so judgmental. No, that's what the Bible teaches. Let me show you another text. Let's see, Romans, yeah, we'll go back to Romans. Romans uh, 14. Romans 14, verse 9. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be, what, Savior? Is that what it says? No, Lord, both of the dead and of the living. He's Lord of the dead, Lord of the living. Remember, Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, he says, I have the keys of what? Death and Hades. And let me tell you something. He wouldn't be if he didn't rise. He's not allowed to be Lord and Savior if he's still in the grave. If he's still dead, if he died forever, then what's the difference between him dying and any person dying? 
But God accepted his offering for sin. And in acceptance, he says, I shall raise him from the dead. See, the lordship of Christ over the church and the deity of Christ is based on one fact. What is it? His resurrection. He was raised from the dead. Do you try to understand now when Paul in chapter 15 says, of first most importance is the resurrection of Christ according to the scriptures? Why? How is he Lord? It's based on resurrection. How is he Savior? It's based on resurrection. Listen, if he doesn't rise, then the whole gospel, which is all about the resurrection, and it's all about the lordship of Christ, it's all about the deity of Christ, is null and void. The gospel is gone. The gospel is gone. Is the gospel empty? You know what? Now, you sit today and you say, no, no, no. The gospel's good. But I ask you a question. Why do I watch the Christians live a life no different than the world if the gospel is real? Why do we put so much emphasis on where we get our money, how much we spend in our money, and if I finance this or I don't finance that? And I'm not saying that you don't do that, but let me ask you what. What is the first priority in your life? If God raised him from the dead, he is Lord. I've already given you 11 verses that proves the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we had 500 witnesses to OJ, we would know for sure, wouldn't we? Especially you start praying them through. I've seen, I seen this and I've seen this and I've seen this. You'd have it. We had 500 witnesses. We had the one who denied him publicly and who would have had to carry an awful burden to think that this man that he followed at his most crucial time, he de- I denied him and I can never make it right. And yet God intervened, raised him from the dead, and Jesus met with Peter and he made it right. You have James, his half-brother, who lived with him, who hung out with him, who was the first preacher, the first elder of a church ever, who when they heard what his brother was doing, says, why don't you come home and quit acting like a madman? And yet in the resurrection, James says, I am a slave to my brother. That would be the word doulos. We, we like to say servant. It literally means a slave. Sorry. A servant can leave and go somewhere else. A doulos can't. We have Paul who was out arresting Christians who hated this sect. And tell me that there wasn't a change in that man from the road to Damascus. And now I ask you this. If God is not changing, and His Spirit is not changing, then why does, does the church look like it does today? And I can tell you why. We don't want preaching. We're going to do it in our own wisdom. Well, how does your wisdom work at raising the dead? If He did not rise, then the gospel is gone. There, 
Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? If he didn't rise from the dead, there ain't no good news. That's the gospel means. Good news. You know what there is? Bad news. Bad news and you might as well pile it up. Because it isn't getting any better. Let me tell you something. If he didn't rise, when that angel says, I bring you great news of great joy, that angel lied. The gospel preaching is a sham. It's fake. It's phony. If he did not conquer death, and if he did not conquer hell, then we are eyeball deep in bad news. Let me give you a text that I, I taught on, a, I guess it would be a few years ago. 1 Corinthians 1. Everybody said, that was more than a few years ago. That was just after we crossed the Red Sea. Verse 18 of Corinthians 1 says this, The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but as us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I like that, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the, the scientist? Where is the scribe, the legal minds? Where is the debater, the orator, the one who is gifted, the charismatic speaker? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God is well pleased to the foolishness of the message, what? Preached. To do what? Save those who believe. For indeed, the Jews asked for a sign. The Greeks searched for wisdom. But we what? Preach. The word preach there has to do with herald. Not Bob and Harold. Okay. It's the guy that would stand in the courtyard saying, Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. I have a proclamation from the king. You know what is amazing about the preacher? The one who would herald? It isn't the preacher. It isn't how well he delivers the message. It isn't how well he looks when he delivers the message. It isn't the way he parses his verbs. He used the word ain't. I can't believe that. And what has Ewan's got to do with the gospel? That is not the herald's responsibility. You know what the herald's responsibility is? Deliver the truth. The king has sent me and thus says the king. Period. And I, you can shoot me, but the king sent the message. That was the herald's responsibility. He did not have to be articulate. He did not have to be charismatic. He did not have to be cute looking or ugly or any of this other stuff. All it was was a basic get the message there. That's why when I listen to people try to tell me, well, the preacher needs to be this and the preacher needs to be that. You know what? The preacher is a herald. He is a sent, motivated man who refuses to be swayed by anything because of who sent him with what words to say. Listen to the pulpits today. We preach Christ crucified to a Jew that is stumbling. Why? Anyone hanging on a tree is cursed of God. It can't be true. To the Gentiles, it's foolishness. Who, what king would die for his subjects? That's foolish. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. 
Well, he would. Why? Because his father will raise him from the dead. Oh, now we stepped into whoa. Right? How did the church in Corinth get started? Preaching the gospel. Paul is saying, if you don't believe this, let me tell you something. If you do not believe in the bodily resurrection, then understand this. Christ didn't rise. And if Christ didn't rise, gospel preaching is absolutely useless. Okay? I told you I had seven. All right? If Christ didn't rise, then he's still in the grave and he was just a dead man. If that's true, gospel preaching is absolutely empty. It's useless. It's worthless. It can't do anything. But here's what's really scary about it, and we'll look at this next week. Your faith is worthless. Absolutely worthless if he did not rise from the grave. He's already, remember in our text, he's already given 11 verses on pure evidence of a bodily resurrection. And I, we went through this in depth. Now I'm going to ask you, where are you? It is easy to mentally ascend to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is absolutely easy. Do you understand the impact of that on your life? The day-to-day pains of life. You understand that? He raised him from the dead. Uh, Friday, I was with a a family. Um, she had gone in for her well woman check, and they found some polyps in her uterus. Um, they did a quick biopsy on it from one of the tissues of the sample, and guess what? Cancer. Okay. Within two days, they had her scheduled for surgery. They did a hysterectomy on it, pulled some biopsies out of lymph node. You know what? Uh, I was sat with her husband um, out in the waiting room uh, and you could see on his face he was worried about it. You could see it was bugging him. And I said, well, let's pray. And we just prayed. And the doctor came out and says, he believes it's encapsulated. We believe it's all right. We're going to do it. We still have to do the test on the, on the biopsy. Uh, and, and we'll know within 48 hours, 72 hours, whether it's cancerous and whether she needs to go through some kind of radiation or uh, stuff like that. And I watched her... <clears throat> It would be her brother. He started praying, praise God. And everybody just started praising God right there in the middle of the room. You know why they do that? Because they believe in the resurrection of the dead. I have just gone through some tests. Some of you know about it. Some of you don't. And they thought that I had possibly liver cancer. Uh, we didn't share it with a lot of people. I, my, me and my wife prayed about it. And she says, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, i got a vacation in July. That's what I'm doing. Well, what if it's cancer? I'll take it. It'll be there when I get back. I ain't worried about it. Well, who should we pray? I did already. Well, what'd you pray? Thank God that he saved me. Well, do, what about a healing? No, I don't need to be healed. That means I go to heaven. That'll work too. You know what? If it's cancer, then you know what? He says, look, you can see the finish line. I like it. I think it's kind of funny because there's a lot of people wanting me gone and their prayers didn't get answered. <laughs> okay? Listen, I, you, I, that's the resurrection power, people. And let me tell you something. We've all had to look face-to-face at our mortality or it may have been a loved one or someone dear to us and we watched them check out. 
And everybody I have watched died, God has given me absolute evidence of eternity. Because they're still dead. They're gone. Their bodies are gone. But I know that I get a resurrected body. And I know some of these people that I know are going to get a resurrected body. And my faith is not empty. And that's why I preach. Because when you preach, you have to deal with the resurrection. And the resurrection says he is God. He is Lord. And the keys of death and Hades have been given to him. I was talking to a young man just this, yesterday. And uh, he was going through some stuff. And he made a comment to me. He said, well, I believe in God. I said, cool. I said, what about Jesus? Well, I think Jesus was a real good man. And I said, you know what? You don't believe in God because you cannot separate Jesus from God. And that messed with me. Whatever. Okay? Do you see the importance of the resurrection? Listen, I want to get back to this. This is not a theological debate that Paul is having with the Corinthians. Corinthians believed this. But what had happened was the influence of the world had started creeping in on them. And they started compromising. They started listening. Oh, that sounds good. You know what? How many in this room today are compromising? And yet he's only raising the dead and the keys to death and Hades have been given to him because God said, I raised you from the grave. There you go. All authority in the church is given to who? Christ. Why? My shed blood bought her. She's mine. All rule in the church is given to who? All accountability in the church is given to who? Why? Because he was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. That's amazing. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for my brother Paul who lays out such a wonderful, wondrous group of verses that without a doubt shut the door on any critic. And yet, Lord, we here on this day and this age are just overwhelmed by the information that sways opposite. Father, give us a steadfastness to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, to cling to him in the power of the resurrection. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for saving us. Father, thank you for the amazing things you do on a regular basis. And Father, if there be any in this room who have a vain faith, an empty faith, Father, invade their soul to bring them to the wondrous understanding, the wondrous embrace of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To your glory and praise. Amen. Do you understand?
with a text like this why I like Easter more than many of the holidays? There's a lot of them out there who claim virgin birth. They say that Alexander the Great was virgin born. Okay? I mean, uh, they believe that the first Caesar was virgin born. They believe that Pharaoh was virgin born. But you know what? Only one man in the history of civilization ever claimed to be raised from the dead. Now, David Koresh says he's going to be. I'm still, he's a few days behind schedule. But there's only one who had that much evidence that he was truly raised from the dead to buy you and I. 